Welcome to Transition of Style, the podcast that explores the ways in which personal style and identity meet. Transition of Style is sponsored by QueerCut, a global gender-free marketplace and online community that connects LGBT shoppers with queer-friendly brands and products. in fashion here at FIT. So I'm very excited about today because it's a little unique as we talked about last week and that we um, have two guests today and we are also uh, doing this under the auspices of Transition of Style, a podcast that really explores uh, style journeys and how uh, gender, sexuality, fashion, clothing all intersect. And the host of that show is Corinne Phillips. And Corinne has uh, been doing this podcast for just under a year now, right? And uh, already many episodes uh, that are coming out. So if you haven't taken a listen, you should. It's a, a podcast that explores the ways in which personal style and queer identity meet. <clears throat> it's hosted each week, typically in a studio, not live like we are today. Um, and it's a very personal, informative uh, interview uh, between Corinne and her uh, host. Corinne herself has worked in many different uh, lines of work in her life. I love, she's, she's quite the um, master of all trades. Um, she worked uh, for many years in the music industry, working with people like Maria, uh, Mariah Carey, Kings of Leon, and Damien Rice. She then moved on to become a software developer and worked for companies like Boston Consulting Group. And uh, you didn't want me to say that, did you? She's very talented. And in addition to that, she's now uh, the Chief uh, Technology Officer of QueerCut. Today, we also have a wonderful guest with us to be part of the podcast, Elliot Sailors. And many of you probably recognize her uh, from fashion magazines and billboards. She got her start um, first shooting with Bruce Weber. Um, and then went on to work with such greats as Peter Beard, Ellen Von Unworth. She's been uh, featured in Times Square on many billboards and um, in one case for H&M. Um, she also, you may remember, cut her hair and started uh, modeling menswear, which uh, became quite uh, a conversation in the media. So she appeared on The View, Access Hollywood, CNN, BBC, just to, to mention some. She's been on the runways for brands such as Chromat, Diesel, Rick Owens, Vivian Westwood, menswear. Um, she's been in Vogue, Elle, and as I said, in billboards, um, including the Millie campaign, um, Equality for All. She joined the Beauty for Freedom movement in becoming an ambassador for human rights and fighting human trafficking on a global scale. She's worked with photographer Alexei Lubomirsky in supporting concern worldwide through sales of diverse beauty to celebrate beauty and fashion with no boundaries or limitations and to put every type of beauty out on a pedestal. She's also participated in the All Women Project, representing those who identify as any version of a woman at any time in their lives. So I want to welcome Corinne and Elliot to FIT. Thank you so much for coming. Hello. Can everyone hear me? I can certainly hear myself. All right. How's everyone doing? First of all, I want to thank Josh. Um, thank you so much for having me here, Faces and Places FIT. Um, it's wonderful to be here. Um, Elliot, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. So great to have you here. Um, as Josh mentioned before, Transition of Style is a podcast where we explore the ways in which personal style and, and gender identity sort of intersect. And I have been trying to bring these stories of LGBTQ people, queer people, to the forefront because I really want people to understand the importance of living authentically. 
right? Living within your authentic right. And these stories are important because I want people who are struggling with identity and struggling with their sexuality to, to know that it's okay to do that. And I want them to see that displayed in some of the stories we're telling on Transition of Style. So I definitely am so thrilled to have you here because your story is freaking amazing, as we know, right? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. I'm very public. <laughs> right. So you know what? Let's start off with a basic question. Can you talk to me about how you got into modeling? How did it start? Uh, well, I first, first started modeling when I was nine. And my dad took me to some model scout thing. Um, he tells the story that it was because I wanted to be a model. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure I didn't even know what that was at the time. I was not under any pressure from my parents to do it at all. It was definitely, I mean, they introduced me to it. But then once I started, it was only when I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I moved to New York when I was 19. And that was in 2001. And that's when I started modeling full time. So you know, um, one of the things that, I mean, obviously, everyone knows uh, about you've been cutting the hair. And that's been a thing. But I'm curious about how you navigate your identity in, within the fashion world. How does, how does your identity play out in that way? How yeah. Um, so I do actually identify as gender fluid. Didn't know that at the time when I cut my hair, because um, I didn't know the language. Yeah. And I also have been very blessed and led a really privileged life in the sense that there was never anyone trying to stop me from wanting to live the way that, that I had. My dad is someone who tap dances and cries at commercials. And my mom, I think, has worn makeup like five times ever. Um, <laughs> And so I didn't have traditional gender roles, right. I guess. Um, not just for those reasons. There's lots of other things that people tend to put on what is masculine or feminine or male or female that uh, were not examples that, that I was taught. So I was really lucky. It is accurate that coming up in modeling, there was very much like a, you have to ask permission if you want to highlight your hair a little bit differently or if you want to cut bangs or you want to add some more layers or anything. Yeah. You know, you did need to get permission. So in that sense, there was, but it, I wasn't thinking of it being based around gender. And then when I turned 30, I was like, okay, if I'm going to keep doing this, I want to do this my way, and I want it to be fun and exciting and new and different for me. And it was at the time that um, Andrea Pejic had not yet come out as transgender. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't a public that uh, she identified as female. So at that time, um, I was inspired by the fact that they were calling themselves an androgynous model. And I was like, well, if they can do that, I can do that too. Um, and tried doing that with my long blonde hair. People were not really having it. <laughs> they just didn't believe it. And so I cut my hair because I wanted to work in menswear. When I first walked into my agency, literally my agency was like, hi, can we help you? <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> Is that so weird? Even though I'd been there for like eight years. And I told them I wanted to be in men's board. They were totally supportive. I went onto the men's board. And then um, I, I started working in men's. And then it was about a year later that it hit the media. So oh, it was a, a full year? Yeah. And once it hit the media is when actually I stopped working as much. Because at that time, Orange is the New Black was not out yet. Caitlyn um, Jenner was not out yet. The conversations that are so common now were not happening at that time. And what year was this? Uh, 2013. Mm. At that time, it was really crazy. You know, this woman is cutting her hair to work in menswear. And um, 
and I was saying to be a male model. And since then, I stay to work in menswear because I'm not trying to be male. And the way that it was taken at that time by a lot of people was that I was co-opting a trans narrative, that I was trying to tell somebody else's story that was not my own. And I hadn't really thought about gender as much as I do now. I had always referred to girls as they, although I didn't, meaning they, meaning like I didn't feel like I was one. Um, but I also referred to guys that way too. I, I just, I don't know, I was happy feeling different. <laughs> I think a lot of us are that way. Yeah. Then when I was attacked by a lot of people for the language that I was using, what I chose to do was to really educate myself on it. Why are people getting upset about the way that I'm saying things? Yeah. So rather than defending my position, it was what can I do that's gonna have it work better for other people and so that I can understand why that would be offensive. And not, I'm just gonna do what anybody tells me to do, but I wanna, I wanna get it. And so through that process, I was like, oh, I actually identify as gender fluid. Mm -hmm. In my personal case, it's not important to me that people refer to me as they, them, although I have come to discover that's more of how I experience myself. Yes. And so when people ask me, I do let people know that. Mm -hmm. But when I'm not asked, it's not something that, that bothers me. Right. I have been on castings for menswear where I've walked in and they'll say, you know, okay, everybody line up and take off your shirts. And, <laughs> and I'll be like, that's not going to look how you think it will. <laughs> and when I did the Vivian Westwood menswear show, I literally, I go to the casting, I go to the fitting, and then it's like right before the show and I was opening the show. And I went up to Vivian before we were going on, and I was like, thank you so much for you know, giving me this opportunity. I was wondering if I could get a selfie with you. And she goes, you're a girl. <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's pretty cool that that all just happened without her even knowing that. Um, so in some ways, I don't, I don't navigate it. I don't give direction to it yeah. um, until there's a moment where someone either is surprised or is about to be surprised. You know, there's a men's show that I did book in London off of, off of my card and what I looked like, and then they found out I was female and they said, never mind. Wow. Um, and, and before when I was saying how once it hit the media that the work actually stopped, it didn't stop altogether, obviously, but it, it slowed down because then it was a public conversation. Then it was Elliot Saylor's the female trying to look like a guy. So then if you use me in your advertising, you're saying that you agree with that. And it wasn't cool at that time to agree with that. Right. It wasn't, you know, now it's super trendy and I think a lot of brands are doing it even if they aren't necessarily trying to actually make a difference. Yeah. But as it's becoming cool, I also don't think it's this horrible thing that it's cool or trendy either because it is how a lot of people are getting educated. Right, right. Well, you know, so on, along those lines, you talk about, um, it, has, it is changing, right? It, it is changing. Oh, for sure. do, first of all, I think that change is good, and I think we agree that, that that change is good. What do you think needs to happen for it to change more? And I think it's good that we see all sorts of people um, represented on the runway, in print, in campaigns, you know, all sorts of identities, you know? So we're, we're getting a little more of that. What do you think that needs to happen for us to get even more of it? I think that we as consumers need to <laughs> as awful as this sounds, but when we share it on our Facebook, when we like it on Instagram, when we comment and say that we love it, then brands get that we are behind it. Because there's a whole lot of people out there commenting and saying horrible things about it. Right. 
if there aren't as many people showing up in appreciation for what brands are doing and speaking out and saying that they want more of it, then they're not going to bother because whoever is showing up the most in response to what we're seeing is who ultimately they're going to cater to because they believe that that's where their money is is going to come in from. Yeah, I don't I don't think people realize that they have that power. You know, I don't think people realize they have the power to do that. And that's fascinating that you're saying that because I think the average person doesn't realize they have the power to change it like that. Yeah, and it's and not that brands don't have their own creativity in their own minds and and you know, things that they're doing on their own obviously. Um you know, when Alessandro Michele started at Gucci and completely recreated the way that that brand was existing in the world, a lot of people got really excited about it and really, you know, fell in love with the work that he was doing and the amazing fluidity of the fashion that exists within Gucci now. And it's because a lot of people got really vocal about loving it, you know, and that it got to stay. Because I assure you, if that many people were like, I hate it and that's out of control and you're not supposed to do that because Gucci's always been another way. Right. It, it wouldn't have kept happening. Yeah, that would have stopped. Do you think that there's a fear also internally because a lot of people in the fashion industry are, are queer identified anyway, <clears throat> um, photographers, stylists, hair, makeup. Do you think that there's still a sort of a fear to sort of let that, open that up in terms of photo shoots and ad campaigns that there's still a concern about your job or where the money's coming from or what people might think? About being open about your queerness? Yeah, or just in turn, because you mentioned, you know, um, that you gave your book, you got the job, and then when they realized you were a woman, they said no. And there, it, it I seems don't think like that would might... happen now. No? No. It's, well, that brand specifically, actually, it might. It's a, it's a men's suiting brand in London that has been a men's suiting brand since, like, the 1600s or something. <laughs> um, so... That might still happen with them. It's been around for a minute. Um, <laughs> but it also might not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and they certainly couldn't get away with outright saying, oh, it's a woman, never mind. Right. right. I mean, overall, the fashion industry has always been super queer. It is very different um, for a longer amount of time for trans women and for um, feminine identifying men. Uh, because there is a pressure on a lot of male models that you need to show up and, and be really bro-ish and, you know, talk this way. And, um, you know, if a guy wants to wear a dress, then that's going to change the way that you're able to move forward in your career. But that's changing in a lot of ways. And now it's turned into the kind of thing where if a guy wears a dress or a trans woman wears a dress, women are still going to wear that dress. They're not going to be like, oh, I don't know, you know, uh, you know, someone who doesn't identify as a cisgender female wore it, that's uncomfortable. Whereas when a girl wears a suit, men are like, nah, girl had that on, I'm not wearing it. Um, Which is really improving, but it's interesting how now it's actually become harder for masculine men than it is for masculine women than it is for feminine men now in the industry. Wow, I wonder why that is. Like, why why is that, do you think? Well... uh, like I was saying, I mean, the average male consumer isn't going to want to wear something that some chick just femmed up, you know, the, the, way, that, the way that it's seen. And so yeah. literally, if their sales go down, they're not going to want to do it again. Even if, I mean, if it doesn't affect their sales yeah. and it's improving, or if like more masculine women go out and they're purchasing from that brand, yeah. then it's, 
you know, or at least if there's a media re positive media response, yeah. you know, all of that's going to help. And that's what I mean by it's on us, yeah. Yeah. you know, because all of those other people are definitely going to say stuff or not show up. Interesting. Very interesting. So question about doing campaigns for menswear as opposed to women's wear. Did you feel like you got treated differently when you were doing menswear campaigns as opposed to doing women's campaigns? It's so much easier working in menswear. Really? It's so much easier. Everybody's, for the most part, is really chill. Yeah. It's, there's not all this like crazy pressure around, um, okay, this is not true. I was going to say there's not all this crazy pressure around weight. There is, it's just different. Yeah. Um, you're not put in things that are as body conscious, yeah. but then of course I'm also not wearing the topless, like I'm not wearing like men's swimwear because yeah. actually there is as much body pressure for the men. It's yeah. just different in the areas that I'm working in, right. but in women's wear, there's way more pressure about everything, everything. Yeah. They're a lot harder on female models. Uh, than they are on men when you're actually on the set. Yeah. Um, in terms of how female models treat each other, there's it's way better than it used to be, uh, but there's still a lot of competitiveness and a lot of um, people kind of keeping themselves. will sit right next to each other on their phones the whole time, and you never even say hi to the person next to you. Whereas you go to a male model casting, and like everybody's going for pizza after. <laughs> you know, um, it's yeah, it's just super different. Interesting. Interesting. I have a question about like the way you sort of like um, in your personal life. Um, I'm I'm thinking about the sort of the analogy of like you know somebody who is maybe a chef and cooks all day long and, and you know is in a kitchen all day long cooking. When they go home, they're like, I'm gonna open up a canned soup. That's it. I'm done. Cheetos and onion dip. That's what I'm doing, right? Because they're just like I'm not cooking anymore. At home, when you're in your personal life, what do you think about dressing? Do you are you just like Nope, I'm gonna put those PJs on. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> it's just like I'm, I'm all about that pajama she wears life. Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. You're all about the pajama life. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, I live in an apartment where the radiator's on or the radiator's off. Like, I don't have control, you know. So it gets real toasty in there. And honestly, it's been like t-shirt and underwear lately. The entire time. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, all right. So another question for you. Um, when you're doing sort of a campaign or you're, you're modeling, um, I'm wondering, um, in terms of your identity, do you feel like there are things sometimes that, or campaigns that you'll take part in where you're like, I don't see any of my identity in this, but you know, as a model, I'm malleable and I can you know, sort of morph into something if I have to. Or is it that everything you do, there's some piece of your identity that you can find and draw from? Definitely not everything. Right. There are some things that I wear where I'm like, <laughs> Why was this even made? I don't understand. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, but definitely like a lot of stuff that, that I really love. And there are a lot of people who, um, like I posted a photo on my Instagram the other day where I'm wearing a dress. And in the caption talked about identifying as gender fluid and so that really being inclusive of all kinds of things and I brought that up intentionally wearing a dress because a lot most of the people who follow me um, I would say are lesbians and most of those people are masculine of center mm -hmm. and most of them there's this understanding of gender fluidity or um, gender nonconformity that is if you are identified as female at birth if you say you're gender fluid then you need to look male which I find so bizarre it is bizarre. Because um, fluid, 
Like, <laughs> if you know what that means. Um, Define fluid, right? Which is also really different for different people. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is the definition either. But um, it's, for me, it flows. Like, yes. between what uh, people call masculine feminine, but also a lot of it, like, I don't even call it that. Right. You know? Right. I mean, because if y'all are in school about this stuff. <laughs> so, you know that when you look through history, it's not what a lot of people think. Right. You know? Right. That right. it's, I mean. I think that's the dress right there, isn't it? Oh, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, and so, you know, this girl was like, I don't understand why you're saying that you're gender fluid if, because that looks like a feminine dress to me and I wouldn't wear it. And my first response was, and she's like, and I wouldn't feel comfortable wearing it. And I wrote back, well, then don't wear it. <laughs> and then I was like, and. <laughs> and I wrote something nicer after. Uh, but... <laughs> but but that's also my point, is that it's like, it's also okay if you identify as gender fluid and you don't feel comfortable wearing that. Well, then don't wear it. But right. also, you know, don't be cutting people down because it doesn't fit your thing. Like, that's just crazy talk. It is crazy talk. It's, it I mean, for Pete's sake, I walked out the door today wearing black and brown and navy and gold and silver and burgundy <laughs> and green. You're like, talking about wearing all the colors. Okay? I mean... <laughs> You know, it's, and there's plenty of people, I'm sure, who wouldn't have nice things to say about that, but <laughs> I like it, and I feel good, so, good you. you know. Good for you. I, th I see, I think it's really important. I think one of the things we try to talk about in the podcast a lot is that the importance of not narrowing people down. Like, I talk about that a lot. Um, I went to a school recently to speak to some students about identity and about, like, their sexuality and trying to make sure they understand that if you wake up one day and you decide you're wearing a tutu today, and then the next day you decide you want to wear a tux, a men's tux, you can do that. Yeah. You can do that. You can change it up every single day. Yep. And it's totally fine. You can even change it up on the same day. On the same day. I okay. love it. That's right. Tutu for <laughs> breakfast, tuxedo for dinner, right? Like literally the same day. Yep. Yeah. I love that. I, love I that. want to piggyback on what you asked though, because in a, in a way as a model, it's fairly performative in terms of like what you're wearing it's you know you're an actress or an actor or an, yeah. or an act um, so you know you are sort of putting on a show or you're you're looking a certain way but I think in many ways that's sort of what we do every day as well I mean when we walk out the door we sort of perform a certain way that we want people to see us and I'm just curious especially since you're a model if if there is sort of a difference between you know going out for your personal you know in your personal style versus sort of the performance that you have to do as a model. Um, I find it interesting too, because you're like, because the way we want people to see us. For me, a lot of the time, I'm kind of like not interested in being seen today. It's more like that yeah. uh, sometimes. Yeah. I will literally go to my coffee shop sometimes wearing like the same sweatshirt like five days in a row. And then if I, I live up in Harlem. So then if, I, if I'm going somewhere where I actually need to get on the train to get somewhere, then I'll be like, okay, I think I'll wear something different because downtown I might run into some other people that I may have run into the other day. Or I might not. Um, and still wear that same thing anyway. So does it look different? I mean, sure, it looks different because I don't have somebody dressing me and providing my styling for that day, um, which would be awesome. It, looks, it really looks different all the time. It's pretty rare that I'm gonna like wanna put on like a dress and heels in what people would call traditionally feminine unless it's unless I'm feeling like Alyssa Edwards. You know what I mean? Like like unless I'm like, all right, today I'm ready to be seen. Mm, you know? Not because I'm like, I wanna blend in with the female population. 
you know, it's, it's like a show if I'm doing that for me as opposed to because I'm female and women wear this. And at the same time, if I'm wearing a suit, I know that I'm probably going to get more attention in a lot of ways wearing that because people are still going to have judgments about that a lot of the time or they might even have positive things to say, but still it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people be like, Oh, I like that you're wearing a suit. You know, so it's like, it's just knowing that when I'm doing something that doesn't look traditional, there's going to be a lot of people that have something to say about it. Also, one time I was walking on the train platform wearing a dress, and this one was like, <clears throat> boys in dresses. <laughs> so, mm, you never know. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm so sorry you didn't get that Instagram story. That is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wow. Okay. She was really feeling salty it was like about it. like 125th Street. She's like <laughs> feeling salty about it. some dresses. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. I love that. I really love that. You know, when you got the sort of the blowback from, you know, cutting your hair and, and people thinking that you were basically trying to tell the story that you felt like wasn't yours, instead of like being like, screw you guys, I'm just going to do this trying to understand why that reaction happened, right? And trying to say, okay, what's, what is it that I need to figure out or learn about the situation? Instead of just kind of blowing past it, you kind of stop for a moment and you, you sort of let yourself get educated by it. And, and at the end of the day, regardless of what they were saying, it, like your intention wasn't to, to tell a story that wasn't yours, right? No, not at all. It was never that. And it was also, I mean, when I was telling stories, like, you know, people would say, has anything negative happened to you? And I was uh, married to my ex-husband at the time. And there were multiple occasions when people thought that we were a gay male couple and they were really rude to us about that. Like in the West Village, Wow. And places where, like, you just don't think that's going to happen. And that was crazy to me. And so I'd be in an interview, and I'd be like, that's crazy to me. And people would be like, I can't believe you're trying to get pity. You know? And so stuff like that, where it was like, not, that was not my intention. My point was that it's crazy that that's still happening in the world. Yeah. Not, it's crazy that it happened to me. Because, I mean, I'm really lucky. All of this that, uh, that I've been experiencing in, in terms of uh, gender nonconformity has happened in my 30s. Right. Like, I'm an adult. Like, I can handle it. I'm fine. That's because I got to live this really blessed, privileged life all the way up until then where everything, you know, was pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And I say pretty easy, and I'm, and I'm going to be honest about this, that there's also plenty of times where looking like the five foot ten, blonde-haired, blue-eyed model, people treat you really, really badly because they think that you're really stupid or that you're a slut or a whore or they're asking for it or whatever just because you happen to look that way too. So it's not like that's always pleasant, right. but overall, it is accurate that my life is a lot easier because of the way that I, that I have looked. Right. And so when I looked a totally different way that had it not be as easy, I was lucky enough to really be able to see that difference in a way that a lot of people don't have it one way and then another way. That's right, yeah. Um, and so then I, you know, I made a point when, you know, when I saw people get upset thinking that I was seeking pity, then I could say, no, my point is that it breaks my heart that this is still happening to the world and this is still happening to children and this is still, you know, people are still getting beat up for this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, walking into our own building, this guy was wasted and was like, faggots, you know, while we're walking into our building. I, I mean, we were just like, you're a joke. But for a lot of other people, it doesn't, it does not feel like that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like part of why you, you, you could handle it, like some of the blowback was, you know, the way you sort of grew up, 
because you talked about like your family and how your family seemed to like not you know they they seemed some I guess supportive of you coming out as gender fluid and like um, I was like I was raised Mormon or LDS. Um, my parents when I invited my mom to like my public Facebook page, she actually said that, she said to the London Times, not even like to me, to the London Times, that she would actually dislike it if she could um, because she doesn't think that people should be messing with gender. Um, and my parents believe that homosexuality is wrong and are super clear on that. And i am now been with my girlfriend for more than four years. And... At the same time, my parents believe that it is just as wrong for them to be judgmental or treat me any differently because I have a lifestyle, as they see it, that I don't agree with. And as my girlfriend put it, you know, if I didn't tell her that my parents felt that way, she wouldn't even know because they are totally loving and warm and welcoming and amazing. So how do they have both? How do they, how well, they it's, both? I really, and that's also why when I'm fighting to say, you know what, like equal rights, everybody should be able to believe how they want, I really believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe that my parents should be able to believe what they believe and that I should be able to believe what I believe too and that it should be safe for everybody because I got to grow up in a family where even when we don't, you know, agree with each other. And let me be real. I'm the oldest of six kids. It's not like we were always like safe and gentle with each other. Um, I was really mean older <laughs> sibling in a lot of ways, not about gender, but just being the oldest and biggest. Um, it's the way it works. <laughs> I did. I lived in a, a really loving household. And so I, I expect love and acceptance and respect and I, ex I expect people to accept others whether or not they agree with them, to be able to accept them as human beings and to treat them with, with a common courtesy. Right. What shifted, because you mentioned sort of a year between sort of finding this out for yourself and then it becoming fairly public, the London Times, and <clears throat> going to your parents and such, did you have enough time, do you think, to sort of find yourself and you were kind of prepared because it became very public very quickly? Um, and it affected your career, both in a positive and I didn't know way. I was, I didn't have a feeling of looking for myself. Um, I was just like, I want to work in menswear, so <laughs> I'm cutting my hair. And then people started saying stuff like, I don't know, people had all kinds of things to say. Yeah. You know, so I had always identified as bisexual, right? So I had long blonde hair, and I was bisexual, and they were like, oh, you're just experimenting, you're straight. And then I have short hair, and they were like, liar trying to get straight privilege like you're gay and there was a lot that came at me from within the LGBT community about being very upset that I was married to my husband and living a life of straight privilege receiving the benefits that there that there are from that because let's be honest like if I was dating a woman at the time and I cut my hair I don't think it would have been on the Today Show a lesbian cut her hair weird Breaking no one news. would care um so it's accurate that that media attention came with that but it was also not this like beautiful thing like I said my work slowed way down and it was also during that time that I came to learn about sexual fluidity and that my sexuality was actually changing on me and that I didn't experience attraction to men in the same way that I had experienced attraction to men for, for all of that time. And there were a lot of people who were like saying how I was cutting my hair to express my gayness or do you think your sexuality is changing now that you've cut your hair? Um, and stuff where I was just like, 
you do know that your sexuality and your hair are like not connected. Oh God. But because that, that's science. I just want to make, that's a fact. Um, but because my sexuality was actually changing on me after I cut my hair, uh, because turns out sexual fluidity is a thing too that I didn't know about. Um, and it was a really hard time for me and my husband, you know, and I got to be with an incredibly loving man who I could be honest with all along. And I mean, I thought I was going through early menopause. Like, I didn't know what was happening. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like I lost myself or I was finding myself or whatever, but like, you know, life was changing on me and I was not ready for it to be public the way that it was. I had no idea that was coming, but at the same time, I've always been someone who wants to make a difference in the world and wants to inspire people and to, to bring positive transformation. And so when people do come down on me, some people are nasty. Like I'm not trying to say that like when everybody comes at me that I'm like, oh please educate me. Even when people are nasty, maybe they're saying something that I do need to educate myself on. And so I will, so I'm gonna take a fair look at that. Right, and I think it's just knowing the difference, right? Knowing the difference when you have to hold the line and decide, I'm not going to be told about this. I'm not interested in your, your thoughts about it. And when there's a teachable moment and something that you should be, you can learn from it. You know, there's, there's a difference. Yeah, I mean, when I did the MasterCard commercial um, about acceptance, there were a number of people that I grew up with. I say grew up with. I mean, I went to 11 different schools and moved all over the place. Uh, so I have a lot of Facebook friends um, of people like I actually know um, or knew when I was nine. Um, who, so these people were sharing this. And they would tag me in it. And then so I would look at the people's comments underneath. And this one guy was like, acceptance just means if you don't agree with me, then I hate you. This person should do a better job explaining what the heck that even means. And literally in the video, I was saying what acceptance meant to me. So I don't think he had pushed play. I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, actually, acceptance doesn't mean what you said. Acceptance means, and I wrote down what I said in the video. And he was like, thank you so much for taking the time to say that because you're right. I do think that is what it should mean. You know, so it's, there's these really awesome moments that actually do happen where people kind of take a step back and look at it. You know, and then there's other times too where people just want to be mean. Right. But I do try to, to see when I feel like someone, you know, could be open to something. Yeah. And, you know, Rain Dove, I don't know if any of you guys know Rain Dove. Uh, their Instagram is Rain Dove Model. It is unreal, the crazy, mean, yeah. evil stuff that people say to them. Yeah. And they take the time to be so yeah. I mean, accepting and loving yeah, to everyone. True. It blows my mind. It's beautiful. I know. It's amazing. I know. It takes a special and they have, kind of And they have really changed people's minds in incredible, incredible ways. Yeah. So it's possible. It takes a special kind of human to be that way, right? Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you get, you get tired of the crap and you're just like, I don't want to hear this anymore, right? And, but to take the time to, to teach like that takes a pretty special person. Yeah. So, and I don't think you should not count yourself amongst that. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you, you did the same thing. So kudos to you. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. All right, so um, I think um, I'm going to have one more question for you before maybe you want to do your Q&A. And I think... The last thing I would ask you is like, for the people that are gonna be listening to the podcast, for the people who are maybe, I don't know, struggling a little bit with identity and struggling with like, you know, figuring out where they land in the landscape of identity, that could mean identifying or calling yourself something or being labeled as something or not accepting labels at all. What would you say to those people who are kind of struggling with that? Uh, to keep looking for people that, that inspire you and lift you up and to stop looking at the people that have you feel bad. Yeah. 
you know, for some people, what that looks like is following a Victoria's Secret model is going to make you feel bad about yourself. And for other people, it's going to inspire them to get themselves to the gym when they actually need to. So it's, I'm not sitting here saying what's good or bad for anyone, but really seek out the people who, who have you feel safe because there's, there's a lot of, there's so much of, of this planet that is not safe for so many people, you know? And if the safe place is literally what you create on your Instagram by the people that you follow, um, then let yourself have that. I mean, there's literally, there's Instagram profiles out there that are like LGBT safe place or <laughs> whatever, you know? It's, there are people who want, want to have that be there and also I would say that you don't have to you don't have to like figure out what your identity is or what your style is or what your I pick all the things you know (laughs) like and I I think that's totally an option yeah it is and I get that for a lot of people probably people you know even listening or or who knows that they don't have an environment that's giving them that so I think it's important for those of us who are safe to remember that visibility matters and also remember that there are a lot of people who aren't safe, so it's also not on us to put pressure on other people to make themselves visible. Well said. Well said. Thank you for that. That's awesome. I want to kind of also piggyback on that a little bit because you talk a lot about fluidity in terms of your own identity, but I mean, nobody thinks that what we wore as an eight-year-old is what we're going to wear when you're a 40-year-old, right? Or, I mean, there, there's such oh, a fluidity in terms of some, some, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but there's this idea that we're constantly changing our style. And I, I guess my question is, is how does fashion then, <clears throat> since you work in the fashion industry, sort of connect to this fluidity that you, um, you know, that you sort of embrace this idea that things can change and will change and constantly change? How does fashion connect to that, or how yeah, do I how do you how do you use fashion as a tool in that, or how does fashion play a role in that sort of? I mean, I'm in a space? really lucky place now, where a lot of, you know, people will come to me and you know and say, you know, when I did the Millie campaign, she came to me. It was like we want you to do the Millie campaign because we're doing the you know we're doing equality for all. And I've done other things too, where you know they're asking me the whole time, do you feel comfortable, you know, wearing this? Is this something that you feel like expresses you that? That is not most people's experience. You don't you don't get to be asked like that, mm-hmm. and and I do stuff too where I don't where I'm not asked like that. Although I do speak up if I'm like this is not, I don't want to wear a crop top and have like my tummy hanging out. I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. I will say so. <laughs> but if it's just like I don't like it because I don't dig like the like the cut out, cut out shoulder thing. I don't. It's no. <laughs> Just a hard no. Like, that's how I feel about it. But I know that a lot of people really love that. And they can do that. If you want to dress me in that, I'll, that's that's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, that's in now, so it's my job to wear it as right. a model. Right. I'm, that's not the kind of thing where I'm going to be like, I don't feel comfortable wearing this. <laughs> but I have my personal opinion about it. Right. Um, I'm sorry. I really hope there's like not someone wearing that. That's the that, takeaway. Like, right no now. cut off shoulders. That's that's the takeaway. <laughs> I can't see. Their flights are really bright. I'm really sorry if someone's wearing that or designs that. Not sorry for my opinion, but if I hurt your feelings. So, <laughs> remind me what the question is. Just just how fashion now kind of plays a role in 
your ability to be fluid or in your identity? Uh, I mean, the fashion industry is way more accepting than it ever has been of all of this. And it's, and for me personally, okay, yes, what I'm wearing right now is odd. It's also like traditional things put together in an untraditional way. I'm not the kind of person who is gonna wanna wear like a chain mail dress or something that's just like really super out there or like a bunch of, um, I don't know, fluorescent polka dots or something. And there's totally people who want to wear that. So for me, it's like I actually look at what a lot of like traditional things are and how I could put them together. Or one day I want to wear something that's really traditionally masculine, traditionally feminine. And I, so for me, I enjoy that. I don't tend to choose things that are really like far out there. But the fashion industry is like really into that right now. So I feel like there's actually less current stuff <laughs> that I'm wearing. Right but it's also empowering a lot of people that it exists, so that's cool. Before we open it up to questions, I do. you did start a brand, so I wanted to, to hit on that real quick. Um, you wanna tell them a little bit about what that brand is and why you started it? Yeah, so my girlfriend and I have a brand and it's called Tom Is Not A Boy, because as I was kind of talking about earlier, there's this weird thing that a lot of masculine of center lesbians, it's like, you're a tomboy or a femme? <laughs> um, and we were like, or not. So Tom is not a boy. And that's just kind of the cute name that we came up with. And it's cool to be a tomboy or a femme or whatever your thing is that you want to call yourself to, um, if that's empowering for you. I think that language should exist in order to empower, in order to create community, in order to create um, a go-to place that will have you feel safe, like I was talking about earlier. Yep. And I think that oftentimes the brands that are out there can do a lot to um, empower that. And so we want to really empower people in not feeling like they have to, to pick a box, right? And again, I call it a brand and not like a fashion line because it's like t-shirts and hoodies and beanies and stuff like that. And I think that a lot of times people will call themselves a fashion designer and when they like put logos on t-shirts and that's silly. So I am not a fashion designer. <laughs> I do not do fashion. I own a brand um, that makes Stuff that's actually super cool. My girlfriend is an artist, so she actually does take some pieces that she does incredible work with. I just think of things that were like the front of the t-shirt says, no, I'm not coming, and the back says, yes, you still have to invite me. <laughs> like, not a fashion designer. <laughs> just uh, enjoy so wearing <laughs> funny and fun stuff. There's so many companies out there that call them fashion design and do exactly that, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, I... And I love fashion. I love when people do fashion. And I also think it's really cool when people create messages that, you know, that, that's not an inspiring message. I'm not trying to pretend like it is uh, what I just said. But other ones that we do create that say, like, boys don't need to be boys, right? Because people are like, oh, boys will be boys. We're like, nah, boys don't need to be boys. And so that's one of our T-shirts. Mm -hmm. You know, we have another one that's like, can I swear? Yeah. So we have one that says, like, what the fuck is ladylike? Because really, you know? Um, so we have ones also that, that, are, that exist in order to make a difference. And 10% of all of our profits always go back to nonprofits that are making a difference for the planet, that are making a difference for people. So we're making sure that always 10% of our profits are going to make a difference in the world. And so far, everything that we've made has just been put back into the company anyway. So we're, we That's haven't actually, works. we're not actually making money yet. But 
It's cool. That's awesome. So all, for all your fun gifts, you know, go to thomasnotaboy.com, right? Yeah. For the holiday. Um, did you like how I got that in there for you? Yeah. I um, appreciate that. Plug. We also have, like, mugs and <laughs> bags and other fun stuff, too. Pajamas. <laughs> oh, no, pajamas. we need to do pajamas. There get you in that. Yeah. And you, you can give, in that give it to your parents. got to get in that business. I love pajamas. <laughs> I was actually, I was at this dinner party, like, this really fancy dinner party with a big magazine, and this big editor came up to me. I was wearing this like white cotton pants and button-up short sleeve shirt that had tropical floral flowers on it, and it looked pretty cool. And he was like, oh my gosh, I love your outfit. I, I wish I could have that. And I was like, well, it's Gap pajamas, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> True story. That was what I was wearing. And he was like, well, this is Gucci. <laughs> that was his response. And I just looked back at him, and I was like, I know. <laughs> So anyway, pajamas. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> you know I love it. On that note, let's open it up. <laughs> we should all be in our pajamas. I think that would be great. I want to thank both of you for coming today. It was such a pleasure to have both of you and your perspectives. I think it's one that at least I'm seeing a lot in the industry. Um, you know, whether you're queer or not queer, whatever you are, I think the conversation about inclusivity and thinking differently how we talk about clothing and how... We use clothing both, I think, as a weapon, but also as, as a form of empowerment is, is, is a conversation worth having. So thank you, Elliot. Thank you, thank Corinne, you. for coming. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this live podcast recording of Transition of Style. I'd like to thank Elliot Sailors, as well as Joshua Williams of Faces and Places and FIT. Please join us for the next episode, and remember to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and comment. We'll see you next time. Thank you.